I am tired of apologizing mm-hmm. for doing the things that you and I celebrate Michael Jordan for. Ah, very good. That was the hook. Yep, I told you I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna suck you in on that one. Absolutely, guys. This is Doctor Zano, and uh, of course PJ Braun, and this is officially the first episode yep. of Unfinished Business. Finally got a name. Oh, so good. We're we're uh, kind of floating around without a name for a little while. No. All right, so I want to get into this right away because there's been a lot going on, mm-hmm. a lot going on in my life, and uh, positive, good. But one of the things, the reason I, I mean that is, so Jordan had this win at all cost attitude, mm-hmm. right? And I feel that to be successful when you approach business or anything that it's like you, you want to win what you're doing no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I demand things out of my staff or my athletes. And then I apologize afterwards. And I feel like I've been thinking about it. Like, I don't think I need to apologize. I just want them to be the best that they can mm-hmm. be. And I want us to be the best that they can be. And we never, Jordan didn't apologize. People thought he was mean. Or they thought he was too tough, but he wasn't apologizing. He just demanded that you were going to be the best that you could be. No, I agree. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's a non-politically correct type of thing. So we're just mm-hmm. going to talk about reality. And, and many of you guys who won something, you know, it's something when you have a taste to win. I always said that. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell the story about justice, too. But um, very, very proud moment since we last met. But um, all of you watching, you know, when you worked hard for something, whether it be whatever... And you finally, it comes to a complete circle of winning when only, there could only be one winner. The, it quenches that, it's just like, it's full circle. It quenches it to the point that it's one of the most, we talk about elation, one of the most greatest feelings, addicting feelings in the world. And I actually, in my life, because I won at an early age, and we, we, it, was, it was a greater urge to always win again than sex for me. Mm. So I was not motivated by sex through high school and college. My urge was to win, because that feeling was Incredible, but it was fleeting. It fleets literally, yeah. like to the point where you win the trophy and you set it down. It lasted a second, and you always, like Kobe would say, you know, never finished, never finished. Yeah, want more, you know. So it's like what you and, the, and these people become very difficult to um, <laughs> to live with. And uh, I would talk to Whitney, my ex, and just someone the other day was just she's like, I'm trying to figure out. And it was after I talked, I'm like, you want to figure me out? Get that book winning by Tim Grover. Mm-hmm. I'm like, then you'll know who I am, but it's not going to really hurt. It's not going to help your case because you're going to understand how I am, but you understand that I'll never be satisfied. You'll never be satisfied. So, sorry. No, and it's tough because. See, then you say you're sorry. See, I just went, I'm sorry, yeah, but I'm no. apologizing to what I, I'm, I'm denying my nature. Mm-hmm. No, I should not apologize. Shouldn't have to apologize. And I, I, I think that Jordan. I've never really heard him say sorry. I think that that's just how he was. Even in the documentary, every other guy was like, you know, you notice how everybody looked back when they're older. Well, when I was younger, I was kind of, I said things I shouldn't have. Like, they go back into this, like, I wish I was yeah. a calmer, nicer person. In that document, he, the only one who didn't say something like, oh, I was a, I was a, a tired, no, no, it was Jordan. He's yeah. like, no, no, like, I would do the same thing again. Like, nothing, even that moment, if you saw this, when he started to, to get emotional, he cried because he's like, I didn't necessarily want to be that guy, but I had to be that guy yeah. 
to get the best of the team. He's like, he's like, yeah, I wanted to be liked. Yes, I want to be accepted. But I, we had to win. Mm-hmm. And that was like, and you know what? He, in that moment when he got emotional, I saw what it was. He's like, I had to sacrifice someone saying I like him as a person to get the end job done. It's not that I regret it, but I think he went back to the moment where he made the decision. He's like, listen, I'm not going to be liked, but we're here to win. Yeah. And he had to make a decision back during playing days to be that person. But you know what? He, he was the goat, right? There's still, is, uh, still the goat. Dude, my son says, hey, dad, I got these Jordans. I'm like, you got what? Yeah. He's like, yeah, I got fives. Before, I was like, this guy's still making He's, he's a true icon. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the icon. The yeah. difference between an icon and a legend is yep. many legends, only one icon. Yeah, he is, he is a, a true icon where I don't think there's anywhere that you can go in the world that they don't know Michael Jordan. No. And I, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> and he used to talk shit. Yeah. To players like, I remember one guy, Mr. Free Throw, and he had Jordans on. He's like, I should make you take off my shoes. <laughs> I mean, dude, how do, how do you deal with that mind fuck? But me, me, me and you, <laughs> right. we, we watched the documentary, yeah. right? And we loved it. And I cried Everyone. The, the whole fucking time. I know. <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> and everybody that I know that is like me, yeah. uh, which means that you probably also really like winning, yeah. cried yes, and loved it. <laughs> And so lately I have found myself, we're in this like transition phase and so we had to fire a couple of guys and then some of the other guys had to pick up some slack. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, you're going to do this, you're going to do this and some days, you know what, you're going to have to work more than other days and that's just part of being this job. And I I told him in the long run though, you'll see this is the best job that you're going to have down here. And then sometimes I'd be asking for things I'd be like, look, I'm sorry if I'm being a dick right now, but this is just how you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And... My dad, also my bookkeeper, who are older, uh, they both said you shouldn't apologize for just wanting your guys to do the job the right way. And I said, I think I'm so used to, at one point, we had a lot of like uh, younger, kind of more like millennial, fucking liberal <laughs> kids working that just were like softer and just, just felt like, well, my job is only eight to four. I'm not working when I leave here and I'm not going to do extra things. And, you know, this is not, you know, this, this is not in my, in my pay grade and, uh, you know, kind of kids that like played T-ball where everybody gets a trophy, you know what I mean? And they, I I could tell that they thought I was like a dick sometimes, Mm -hmm. but we, we got so soft in this country and it makes me so sad that that's what everybody thinks nowadays Mm -hmm. because when I was growing up it wasn't like that at all and um, I myself you know people are gonna have to get ready for this because I always say what I want anyway but I'm actually not gonna apologize for that kind of stuff anymore because I want to win when I when I had to uh, get rid of this one kid the other day Mm -hmm. uh, there there was a couple of kids that that got out of line here Mm -hmm. Um, and they they almost they almost tried to pull like a mutiny at, at Blackstone Labs to try to take out the captain of the ship. And when I got the main one out, um, the other one, who was very good, he's been a very good employee for a long time, and I felt that he got sucked in by the other guy, made him make some poor judgment, and I sent him a text message, and I said, um, I respect you. You've done a great job for a long time. Did you guys really think that you were going to win with that move? And I had told a couple of the other guys when I was playing it all out because they're like, what's going on? You know, you got another guy in here. You got a guy, 
you know, auditing everybody. And I said, just so you know, I always win. No matter what, I'm going to win. Even when I'm losing, I'm going to find a way to fucking win on the way down. <laughs> Such a Tony Montagna thing. Yeah. I always tell the truth, even when I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because they don't understand that um, we all have uh, everybody. You have a, what I call, because you know, we have our, our 12s. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a seventh gear. And the seventh gear is a very special place that once you could lock in seventh gear, but what happens is it's super hyper-focused and it's really, it's winning or achieving that goal at all risks, no matter what. And, and I crave that seventh gear. And yeah. I think I, I don't know about you, but if I don't have that thing where I could throw that seventh gear into that I'm in, not into, I get, dep- I feel depressed yeah. or lonely or uh, discouraged. And remember, depression is really, if you're depressed, it means you're failing to express something yep. or you need to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Stress a lot of times, you know, you just make a decision, the stress leaves. So I realize I'm feeling depressed, lonely, funky. Okay, what am I not expressing? What do I need to make a decision on? And a lot of times when you're suppressing that self, it'd be like, well, I'm just going to be the nice guy. It's like, no, I want to win at all costs. So it is very frustrating, but I'm not going to let, I, I, for me as a boss, I don't want to have a, a business to employ people. Yep. It's the worst feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. I employ people to get my vision accomplished. My vision, because it's my business, right? So your say, I mean, I love, I love you, but I need my vision accomplished. Yeah. And you can't like make your own, you're definitely not going to mute me. Cause like no. they don't know that we could turn on seventh gear. Yeah. But they should also know one of my other buddies, he's uh, he has, he owns his own company. He's in finance. He's got a bunch of other financial advisors working underneath him. And I reach out to him sometimes. He's actually my uh, financial advisor, but he, uh, of all the kids that we went to school with, uh, same age as me, he is the only other one that's as successful as I am now, if not more successful. So I reached out to him for advice. And I told him what was going on, what I needed to do. And he said, I just gave a speech last week. I loved this when he told mm-hmm. me this. He goes, I just gave a, a speech last week and I wrote on the whiteboard, I'm the only one here who is not replaceable. Mm. And he goes, and sometimes you need to make the guys know that. He goes, because they can get a lot out of line. And they can start, he said the same thing, especially some of these younger guys, they can start saying things that they think is just okay to tell the boss that they can get away with because they've been handing things so easily mm-hmm. in life. And he's like, and sometimes you have to, to let them know. And so I, I was glad that he gave me that from his perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, I didn't like go and like, you know, throw a mug on the floor yeah. or anything crazy. I just told him, listen, you know, uh, it's not working out here, and um, you know, yeah. No, I don't think you did anything off the wall crazy. Uh, now, when he when he first did all the things that he that he wanted that he did and said, he, just, he also disrespected my dad. In my head, I was visually like stomping his head in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw it in my head, but I sat there quietly the whole time, and I let him say everything I had to say. Then the other guys that he went and rallied. I let them see what they had to say. I said quietly the whole time. You always stay quiet. A lot of people make the mistake of wanting to just like fly off the handle and yell. This is something I've told people all, all, over the years. We had a, a, a longtime uh, employee, Sammy, and I made him read. Uh, I was like, I want you to read this book. It'll help you in life. And I made him read The Art of War. And it was funny because as he was reading it, he was like, oh, so that's why you always stay quiet when I'm mad in the office. And oh, so that's why you do this. And I told him, I said, he who speaks first loses. Mm -hmm. And that was something that even before I read that book, the person who gave me the book, 
very, very, very successful financial advisor. He was the one that gave me that advice one day. And it was, I was actually arguing with a girl. And um, he told me, let me give you a piece of advice. He goes, next time she gets mad, let her say everything first. And let her keep on getting it out, get it out. And just, just sit there in silence. And then when she's done, he's like, just sit there in silence for another few minutes. And I was like, that's so awkward because what if she pisses me off really bad? He goes, no, because what's going to happen is this going to make her uncomfortable. And then she's going to give you more and more. And at that point, you'll have all the information that you need. And you'll be able to calculate how you're going to win the conversation. And I've told that to people before. And they're like, isn't that like manipulation or isn't that fucked up? And I'm like, no, because it's still a form of winning. That's a form of communication. When you're, when in, you're in an argument with somebody, mm-hmm. most, most sides, they're, the, somebody wants to win their argument. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, you're, not, you're not going at it and debating because you don't want to win your point. Right. So typically... If there isn't somebody like apologizing, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have that awkward, like, what happens now? Uh. And most of the time, in a business setting, any kind of communication like that, where somebody's going to come at you, if you let them say everything that they're going to have to say first, it's much easier to dissect everything and then put together your plan of winning. And I think that's a, you know, this all, the, you know, watching Jordan kind of uh, excited me and, and like brought this all into my head because when I, when I was you know, going back to Jordan again, I was like, man, sometimes like I'm, I'm tough on my athletes mm-hmm. or my guys. And it's, it's truly just because I want them to be the best too. I want them to be the best that they can be. And this is why it was so hard for me to retire from coaching because People were like, when are you going to retire? You're so busy with Blackstone Labs. And I said, it's hard for me to, to stop doing this. You'll understand this. Actually, you're transitioning to something that you, you are the best at. Or you're transitioning out of something that you are the best at. So when I retired from coaching, when I was like super, super busy, people were going to like, when's it going to be enough? When's it going to be enough? And I said, I don't know. I, I, when I feel like I'm the best, then perhaps I'll be able to step away. And so I couldn't step away. Because at that point, towards the end, I actually believed in many ways that I believed when it, when it came to winning that I was the best coach that there was. And there's phenomenal coaches out there, especially on the men's side, Chris Estita, all these great guys. But when it came to a women's physique figure, getting these girls in shape, I was just cranking out pros. Like, I just truly believed that there was nobody better than me. And at that point, I thought to myself, how am I going to leave what I have worked all this time to be the best at. Am I, I going to feel like an emptiness? And that was the hardest thing. And it's interesting because now, years later, you know, I put that same mindset into everything that I do. But years later, I, I had this conversation with Jen uh, Strobel the other day that I, I met a, uh, an athlete. And uh, her Instagram is Lauren of She-Hulk. Check her out after this. Lauren for She-Hulk. And... We spoke for two hours on the phone. That never happens to me. Um, I told everyone that she was the, when it comes to uh, chemistry and pharmacology, the most intelligent woman I've ever met as far as competing goes. Because this is something that typically I'm always like, oh, somebody's got to put advice out for the women. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like get all this crazy stuff that guys do. 
we talked about this, but no one's doing it for the woman. This, this girl was brilliant. I was so impressed with that. But once we started talking more and more, I found out she had anxiety issues also, but her desire to be the best took her deep into her studies, right? Mm -hmm. So because of this, the satisfaction that I got telling her, I wouldn't mind overseeing some of the things that you do. I don't have time for a coach. And she's actually working with somebody anyway. Um, but she also liked the idea of having like an older mentor, like an older set of eyes. And that made me realize it's you, when you do believe that you're the best, mm -hmm. you never really let it go. You can't because it's always just unfinished. It's a skill. You know what I mean? But it, it's a skill. You don't want to walk away from it. No, you can't. It's part of you. You evolve. There's no, yeah, there's no, there's no stopping. There's evolution. Yes. So if I'm a great, if I'm the best baseball player in the world, then what do I do? I go into sports casting or writing. Mm -hmm. Like you never leave it. Well, what about, what about you? I mean, when you came on here the yeah. first time, chiropractor buddies were like, dude, that's Dr. Zeno, you know, he's, he's like the best. <laughs> yeah, I do believe I'm, I do believe I'm the best. Are you going to keep on adjusting people? I, I am, I am going to adjust people out of the. Of the of my abundance to to adjust them, for the sake of humanity. What I mean by that is, I would love to travel and adjust entrepreneurs, influencers, executives, celebrities, and sheiks. And sheiks. Sheiks. You got to get those guys out in Dubai. Yeah, yeah. Go. Yeah. I just need one or two sheiks. <laughs> but that's so much fun because what started happening, PJ? Like I claim I was I just joked around with that line. I adjust influencers, executives, entrepreneurs, celebrity influencers, celebrities, and sheiks. I used to throw that chic thing and just to joke around. Mm -hmm. And then it's funny, I claimed that and then I started going to Mexico and Tulum and dude, I don't know if you guys, two, three in the morning, like I'd be adjusting people, closing down a club, three in the morning, lines up. I'm like, what the fuck? I don't even have this, like they're not <laughs> lining up in my office like this anymore. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, this is so much fun. And then when I went to my office, it was like every minute, you ever do something guys and it's like two hours, feels like two days. I was like, wow, why do I feel so heavy here? And I feel so light and appreciated, see, appreciated, mm -hmm. liked, love, like, I like that. I like to be appreciated. So it's like, man, the fact that I could go and I, I have it, it's a skill. Like, you have a skill, can't take it away from me. Take my license, do whatever. You don't take away my superpowers. Mm -hmm. So it's like, wow, I would love to have other streams of business going on. And I just people out of kindness in my heart because I just want to. And that pride, oh, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to. You can give it away. Boom, here you go. And, and with Jordan, right, he had so much pride in what he did. Yes. So that goes back to the conversation that we had. We can circle back to this, actually, in one of the earlier episodes before we had our name. We talked about the difference between pride and passion. Because mm. a lot of people say Michael Jordan was very passionate mm -hmm. about the way he played. But you actually gave us the, the, de the definition uh, for so many people that don't, because yeah. people tell me all the time, like, oh, you're really passionate about what you do. Yeah. And Un unbridled emotion, yeah. unbridled emotion. I don't want that. No, mm -hmm. unbridled means that your, you, you, uh, your outside circumstances makes you have a good day or bad day. Pride means that you control the circumstances. Yes. Damn. I think From that it's so much out. different, man. Yeah, when Jordan controlled the he controlled the circumstance. Yep. So when you could control, because if I if like I I was even telling justice because I'll tell you about the tournament. I'm like it's okay to be confident, pride, but do not be emotional. Yeah. Because then emotions mean that like the outside outside circumstances is is making me happy or sad. Yeah. So it just is. It just is. So shit happened. Today. Yeah. Well, it's not a right or wrong. It just is. It, yeah. It rained today. It is. It's not bad. I think you know? passion is like p passion. 
is the best utilized when you're talking about hot, steamy sex, right? Yeah, unbridled fucking yeah. crazy emotions. You just met this. You met this this girl. Scars. Yeah, and you just had some passionate sex. Yeah, because then what happens? You feel different. Like, well, after you blow your load, you feel like oh. <laughs> like you know it's not the same it's 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 just that it's that eros lust you know yeah. um just very it's unbridled emotions up and down and wild and animalistic and animalistic look they're going from primitive they're just being ran by the circumstances and the environment but pride is taking personal pride that no matter what the circumstances you still leave you the best you want to mm-hmm. be the best does like it's not going to matter and if the circumstances against you like it does like you, it almost pisses you off it makes you better like so what okay yeah. let's go seventh gear Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're gonna go against me, seventh gear. Oh, I got food poisoning. Oh yeah, boom, seventh gear. So you're able to like almost you crave the underdog setting mm-hmm. because it makes the wind so much sweeter. Absolutely, right? It, it, and, it, and it the the pride yeah. when you're in that situation is so much stronger afterwards, right? You carry that away, that strength, and it never leaves you. Well, I think that's a, sometimes the issue with bodybuilding. A lot of people are a lot of you know people love to overdo it. You know, I think they overdo the the cardio and stuff like that because they want to be like, yeah, I did three cardios today. Like they feel like they gotta like go through purgatory to feel that they earned it. Yeah, and bodybuilding is a very interesting one to to have on the subject that we're using that we're going with today because I wasn't going to utilize bodybuilding as much because in the end, it's subjective. Too. It's subjective, sure. but. That doesn't mean you couldn't believe that you were the best at what you're no, doing. No, and I believe so. And I think there's a level of time. You don't think Ronnie thought he was the freaking best? Yeah. Like, someone has to be the best, guys. Yes. Someone's got to be number one. Like, you know, I, I wouldn't mention their names, but there was a bodybuilder. You, you know him. And they used to say, well, he's natural. And everybody's like, ah, he's not natural. I'm like, I don't care if he's natural or not. He looks fucking amazing. Yeah. You know, I think, you know. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> In California. But it's like, <laughs> like he claimed, I was his claim to fame. And it's like, I'm like, my thing, I'm like, someone... There's, there's someone has to be natural that looks that good. There's the there's the top of the top. Yeah. So I don't, but I don't care if he does or not. Like he looks amazing. So who cares? But you know, that's what I'm saying. There's always, there's always, there's, you know, people like there's always someone better, but there's someone that's the best. Yep. In that moment of time, like there is someone that's the best. Mm-hmm. That was what drove me my whole yeah, life. Someone's gotta be the best. When I was when I was a young man and my biological father uh, basically abandoned us, um, he told my mother. Um, you know, he is too focused on the bodybuilding. He's too focused on the bodybuilding. You know, he, he's got to realize that it's just a, a hobby. He's and that he, 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 he literally said, <laughs> he literally said, there, there's always going to be somebody better. And when my mom told me that, I said, yeah, well, I'm going to be the fucking best. <laughs> and that was when I was 13 years old and I just got crazy obsessed. But yeah, nice. I got in, in this particular scenario... I think I was passionate because I was angry and I was upset and I wanted to prove him wrong so bad that once I let go of that, once I let go of those feelings, it Mm. actually completely switched because... The drive for that went away. I went from being angry, training with anger, to actually at that point believing that I was really good at what I did and loving what I did. That's also... That, that point of my life changed me so much because I was much different when I was younger. It was more of like a, a nerdy. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this really put me out there. And I'll tell you, at the end of my career, same type of situation. 
is later on in life. And uh, we could do this on, a, on another episode, too, because this is a conversation that, that I know you'd want to get into. Uh, and we're not going to cry on this one today. But later on in life, hmm. um, when I went, to, I went to find my biological father, and I told him, I said, uh, I, I hadn't seen him in like mm-hmm. 10 years. And I said, I did all these things. I, I was so obsessed with being the best. I wanted to be the best so bad because you told me that there was always somebody better and then you left. And I was so mad that you left that I wanted to show you, no, I'm the best. And I wanted you to feel stupid for saying that. And I wanted you to feel bad about it. But what I learned later on, and this is why I said we'll do this on another episode. I know we're going to do it right now. Uh, I I know exactly what I got to say. I... I went through a lot of uh, transitions, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point in my life, I had found out that my, uh, my, my biological father was uh, dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, man, I gotta go talk to him because I don't even know him. Mm-hmm. And all these years, like how much influence he had on my life without even being in my mm-hmm. life at all. And so I went and I found him and I remember uh, walking into to his company, right? Mm-hmm. Braun Fitness. No, Braun Fitness was mine. His was Braun Moving. Um, it was like 80,000 square feet. And without exaggeration, I believe there were like 75, 18-wheelers, just massive. And I, I remember looking at it and being like, man, he, he created all this. Now, on, on one hand, I was like, damn, mom didn't get any of this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other hand, when I went in and I saw like how it was, I thought to myself a little bit like, maybe this is, maybe this is like why I became so successful. Maybe this is, maybe my father had it in him and passed it on to me. Cause look at what he did here. Mm-hmm. But it was very important to me that I, I did not want to be like him. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I told him everything, uh, at that point, he could barely even speak. Uh, the, he had, uh, it's called nasal pharyngioma. Mm-hmm. And so he had a lot of radiation on his throat. And he was like, uh, I can write, he said. So I said, you know, here's my magazines. Here's this, here's that. I did all this just because I wanted to get your attention. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, um, I did it out of anger. And I, I, I wanted to be the best so bad but I, I just wanted you to know who I was. Mm. That was that was what it was. Just I, I just wanted you to. I'm not gonna. I'm I'm trying to keep it without getting emotional because what I really said was I just wanted you to love me. Yeah. And um, he said I actually did follow you all those years, but I knew that I was a failure as a father mm. and I was ashamed of myself. So I think about it for a second. This guy was so, so successful as a businessman. In one area, yeah. So he had the tools to do that, but he couldn't do it there. And he actually had pictures of me in his desk and stuff. And he was like, I've always followed you. And that, that was like a major moment for me. So I told him, I said, all these years, I just did this out of pure fucking rage and anger and like sadness. And now that I know you're dying, like, I, I just don't want it to be like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to carry that anger around with me anymore. And I said to him, you know, um, I'm 
pretty successful now too. And I know a lot of people, I know a lot of doctors, like maybe I could help you. You know, maybe there's something I could do to help you in some way, but I, I, I just want to let go of all that. And that, that at that point, when I did let that go, I switched in a much different mindset to a much more loving mindset. And that's when I started to really have pride in everything that I did. So different, different scenario, but it all came from the same. No, and there's a lot of key factors, you know, when PJ gets back to PJ. But um, a lot of times uh, we feel in the micro or you hold on to this one perception that my dad wasn't there for me. He, was, he hated me, this and that. And we have the story that he, was, he did nothing but he was a, a negative to you. Mm-hmm. But then when you're, if you're able to truly forgive, yep. like you did, you're able to zoom out and be like, you know, he was my ultimate teacher because he taught you. Yes, he, he taught you. You went into your dark side. Mm-hmm. That was a motivator. You got shit done. But then you realize like that whole thing, like I do not want to be like him. I don't want to be like that. And it opened up a, a part of your heart that will never go there. So you evolved. You, you took this family lineage and evolved it. So a lot of times when dads leave a lot, I'm like, the day you find out he's actually your ultimate teacher. Because you go through this heartache, you go through this serious journey, and you, you lived in the dark, for, the, I would call it the dark side, anger. You, like, I allowed fear to motivate me, the fear of loss of momentum. If I stop, I lose momentum. So that was a very good motivator, but it's cancerous. Yeah. It eats you alive. So the fact you're able to forgive and love, and then when you let go of the dark side, so to speak, of anger, it opens you up to love and self, what I call self-awareness and self-esteem. Self-esteem, Zig Ziglar had the pillars or the steps to Success, the number one was self-esteem. Self-esteem. If you're like a Philippine, right? Mm-hmm. 43 years old, mega billionaire designer. I'm wearing this shirt. Yep. Fucking <laughs> 700 bucks for this thing. Why? You know why? Because he said so. Yeah. Is it, PJ, is this any different than a Blackstone Labs shirt? It's a uh, tri-blend. Is it a tri-blend? Yeah, it's the material's nice. Honestly, how much, like if you were to just, just get a plain tri-blend, how much does it cost? Uh, no, just plain, Wholesale, nothing on it. Like just like. Depending on how many you buy, four or five dollars. Same thing. Why? Self-esteem. Yep. It's going to be 700. Why? This doesn't even have the sparkles. Yeah, the sparkles. I'm used to the, 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 yeah, yeah. the sparkles. The heavy. Ones, yeah. Why? And I realized because he had enough self-esteem. In fact, he, asked, he actually posted, we're second on, uh, on, on income or, or like sales to Gucci. And he put, we're coming after you, Gucci. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? He I has what we talk about. Yep. Like, I'm not apologizing for anything. I'm co- you know, I'm coming after you. Yeah. And, and that's he's gonna pride. That's freaking pride. That's what I'm saying. And then I, it's like we want to see him win, right? There's that yep. part of like, fuck yeah, like when Robert Downey Jr. said, "I am, I am," like that. That there's that thing that we all want to be able to unapologetically stand up in our true, authentic self in pride, but we're afraid of what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see people doing that. Part of us root for them. And then in wrestling, that used to be the ha- what the ham? Who was the guy? Not the ham. The person that was the bad guy. Like Triple H was always the. Uh, well, there was the heel. The heel. The heel. We loved the heel, yeah. right? Because they were cocky and prideful yeah. or big papa pump. You know, like, <laughs> like, so there was something about, they were very, they came out very yeah. prideful. They had more mm-hmm. pride in the, the champion was kind of the humble guy, but we loved the champion that had pride. That was yeah. like, yeah, you know? So that's why the rock, you know, he took that whole thing where he was, he had pride and it was a badass. So that's why. Well, he a, was, he, he, early yeah. on though, he was a heel. Right, right. You know what I mean? But you, there's that element inside of us that gets us excited yep. because a lot of us want to be able to stand up and be proud of ourselves. Yeah, and it's funny that you brought up uh, uh, Robert Downey as Iron Man too because the, the, the same thing can be said about Tony Stark. 
You know what I mean? Like the strong desire to be the best, to win that bad is what made Iron Man. Yeah. Or uh, let's talk about Howard Stern. I mean, undoubtedly the best disc jockey, you know. Yeah, ever. Um, I watched uh, Comedians in Cars. Mm-hmm. He was talking to Seinfeld. He's like, my dad always listened to that fucking radio. And he goes, he never paid attention to me. And he says, watch this. It gets me emotional. He's like, I realized that if I was able to get in that, he would listen to me. Yeah. Dude. That's amazing. And to this day, that's his drive. Yep. The guy breaks down. As successful as he is, it was always about the one thing. That's amazing. And sometimes his dad served him because it was the catalyst he needed to become the goat of that. Still going strong, dude. I, don't even, I mean, just... And I'll tell you, uh, hilarious, just a little, little tidbit of information yeah. with you. My mom tells people that her entire pregnancy, pregnancy that all she listened to was <laughs> Tony Robbins... Yes. And Howard Stern. <laughs> and she, she's like, I think that's why he came out the way he did. <laughs> Dude, that's a perfect match. He, was, he had personal development and he was such a cocky wise ass that said whatever he wanted on his mind. So tell me about uh, Justice. All right, very good thing about winning. So good dad moment. Um, so he did karate and he was a champion karate, but a lot of his karate things were subjective, right? Learn this form, perform this form, this, or this kia, and the judges judge you. And he would get one. He met Chuck Norris every time, which because Chuck would give you the trophy if you were number one. So the kids were like, not only did you get the number one trophy, but then Chuck Norris gave it to you. So how cool was that? A lot of Chuck yeah. time. A lot of Chuck time. And I got to know him. And so now he went to tennis when he went to went to Utah. And tennis is something where you live and die in your own soy. Mm-hmm. And it was I'm like, well, this is tough. And he was it was so tough to he wasn't used to uh, an objective winning. Like, hey, I did good. Doesn't matter that you did good. That other kid beat you. You yeah. know, it's like it doesn't matter how good you think you mm-hmm. did. The other kid was better. So he was struggling. I always said, listen, you need to play older people and better people. Because I used to do that too. Like when I lived in Orlando, I trained at uh, Orlando Winter Park goal, uh, World Gym because you had all the top uh, national athletes. So I felt fat. Then when I went to the junior Florida and disrobed, I'm like, everybody was like six weeks out. No, I was just that much better being in that environment. So I said, play older kids, play high school kids. And it was getting better and better. So... He was doing some tournaments, getting beat, getting beat. And then finally, he's 14 now. And do this tournament. He went in. He was 34 to rank 34 to 34, the dead last. Who's this kid? And, and uh, he crushed the first day. Went to finals. And so, and I had a very good relationship with Whitney. And so it was the morning of the finals. And she, I appreciate her driving two hours away. I'm like, and he was on the phone. He's like, Dad, I made it to the finals. My first finals. And he was calm. He was cool. And he's like, Dad, I know I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to be this guy. And I'm like, okay. I go like... I know you're excited. Go, don't be, I'm excited. Go, be confident. You can be prideful, but no, no excitement. You know, no emotion until it's done. Like that, if you saw the Jordan thing, mm-hmm. when did he sob? When it was when over. It was over. Right. So mm-hmm. just keep. He's like, yeah, Dad. I understand. I'm getting some. And I sent him that Tim. I sent him speaking of winning. I sent him that Tim Grover and Lewis Howes did a podcast on his book winning. And I, I go, you have a two-hour drive. I want you to listen to this because he talked about other stuff about Jordan, which was like. <laughs> I got. I have to have it. Holy dude! And um, so I got on the phone with his mom. I'm like, you know, today he'll never be the same again. Yeah. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, if he wins, he'll he'll touch something and feel something that, I, as a father, I could never give him. He'll experience something that, for the rest of his life, he'll transmute mm-hmm. it into any area that he loves and does. I go, he'll be changed forever yep. because he'll never, ever, not want to have that feeling again. Slaughters the kid. Number one. And uh, three days after, he's like, Dad, I haven't slept in three days. I'm like, I know. I go, because you just got infused 
with the most with the greatest thing anybody could have is you you experience, Elation, right? you experienced winning and you'll chase that for the rest of your life mm-hmm. for the rest of your life it'll never go away that's why that's why the, uh, a lot of uh, wrestlers when they leave wrestling they don't have that walking out to 30,000 people it's like yeah. that emotion is is uh and I'm like, yeah, I go, he'll never be the same again. So I wrote him a nice letter, and I'm like, I'm proud of you for you, but you just experienced the ultimate thing in life mm-hmm. is the ability to actually work your ass off. Because his practice, and he loves it so much, so I want you to find something that, imagine you do something, the act of doing it is the reward. So when the act of doing something is the reward, you'll, you'll do it for 20 hours. You just don't stop. You love it. And then to go and become the best where only one person can win, it's a quenching mm-hmm. that only lasts a little bit. And then... It leaves, you, it leaves you thirsty again. It's like a quenching, and then you're just even thirstier for the win again. And so you go back, you practice harder, you want to be better, right? Be like, if we didn't win, a lot of people in bodybuilding never win a show. Never. So the fact that when you get a taste of winning, yep. holy shit. It's, it's uh, but if you like, when you look at Cutler and these guys, they were able to transmute that same winning to all the other things they I mean, did. color is yeah, Labrata, like, winning at life. You know what I mean? You know like, what I mean? That's what you like to see. You need to be able to transmute that. So as a dad, I, was, I took a deep breath and went, I went like this. I go, one's down. <laughs> now I'm waiting for Titus to win. He's awesome. got to win. So whether it be he's a gamer and he goes to a stadium where there's 5,000 people watching Street Fighter or whatever it is and he wins, he has to experience, yep. he has to experience winning, losing, and second. Because second's a good place to be. Like, you're almost there. Yeah. It, it creates... A seven, PJ, it is the seventh gear that supernatural shit happens. What do I mean with supernatural? Like, this is how they, you outwork people. You, you don't need as much sleep. But it's like, how are you up for three days? Because it's just, you're pulling from a different resource. It's, it's a very prideful feeling. It's a prideful feeling. To, to believe it's like this. in yourself yeah. like yeah. that when you know it you, that you, when, you, when yeah. you know you put in the work and mm-hmm. you got that reward and you outworking the competition that just makes you driven and you and you could say on this day i was the best i love it and nothing made me happier in my life than when i woke up trying to be the best world at the in the world at something i'm telling you right there nothing may will make you happier in life than you wake up to try to be the best in the world at something so whatever you do if you can wake up being like i want to be the best in the world at this if you get to that level Nothing's a better driver. And then when with chiropractic, when I hit it, I'm like, you know what? The cloud's moving. And that I, I downshifted. I became mortal again. It's a, you know, there's like, I understand the words, immortal, more like I felt like when Superman became, you know, that one super, he kind of became a normal person. Yeah. I feel like a normal person again. And I've been searching for what's that new thing. I could put it into seventh gear. And in there, it's almost like, uh, it's like I could breathe again because I'm trying to become the best at something. Mm-hmm. Now, whether I achieve it or not is not, the, it's not the thing. It's just the whole journey and the process. The beauty is in the journey. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love, yeah. that we, I love that we can end on yeah. Superman yeah. because even Superman died as the only comics that I have saved in my office. But that's perfect because the next episode, we're going to talk about losing and how it makes you a better winner and segue to there because we got so excited over just one page of a book that you read. Yeah, yeah. And it resonated with me all day, in fact. It resonated with me all day that it motivated me to talk about this today. Yeah. 
and how it uh, how it correlates with my life. Yeah. And then there there's a, a very important passage in in that that we'll talk about in the next one about how how <laughs> how winning can get taken away from you like that, just like that. Or it'll decide when your time's up. Yep. Unfinished business. That's right.